Well, we are continuing in our Marcus series that we started last week, and last week we discovered that in between a place called Egypt and a place called the Promised Land, there is a place called the wilderness, and the wilderness is a a hard place where life can be tough at times, but the wilderness is not a permanent place, it's a temporary place, and we are going to uh, the place called the Promised Land, which is the vision and the destination that God has for our lives. Well, today we're going to continue in that. Series, and I want to show you something. I wonder how many people know what one of these is. Hold on, it's going to take me about 30 minutes to open this thing. How many of you actually know what one of these is? How many remember what one of these is? So, this is called a map for those people who have never seen one of these before. And these used to take forever to open and even longer to fold up. So I'm going to wait till after service before I fold this back up. But this is what used to happen. I remember we used to be on long journeys. And uh, when I was a kid, my dad would be driving and he would be like this, like trying to find out where, while he's still driving where he's going. And then my mom would be arguing, you're going the wrong way, Alan. And uh, he would be like, like, be quiet, Joyce. I know where I'm going. And then we'd stop at a gas station. He'd be like, hold on, let me take a look at that map again. And then, so my dad would always look at it like this. My mom would always like be, whatever road we're going on, she'd be turning it so she'd like facing the right way what to go. And I'm not saying that women do that, but my mother did that. And so that is a map. And so what maps help us do, they basically show us the direction in the place that we are going. Now, most of you probably do not use these anymore. I actually like maps. I like looking and seeing where I'm actually going. I don't like like uh, instead of uh, listening to your GPS and seeing where your GPS is going. But how many of you, you don't use maps anymore, but you use GPS? Well, I want to show you a quick video clip because I'm sure many of you have probably done this. I even did this myself last night, driving from a wedding up in North uh, Ma- uh, Maryland. So if you want to take a look at this quick video. Sometimes people are just impossible and they make you miserable. That is true. Like Angela in accounting. Yes, she is nuts. Ugh. No, she's wonderful at accounting, but she drives me crazy. Make the next right turn. How do they know? How does this know where to turn? That's very impressive. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club. Other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Do everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know. You lose everything, and everything falls apart, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's what, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's Stop not yelling. There's no boat here. <laughs> Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for Legion. Michael, are you okay? I got you! I got you! Michael! Michael! Let go! Let go of me! Come on! 
You sure you're okay? Fine. Good. That is what's most important. Did you get the rental insurance? Because that is pretty important too at a time like this. How many have ever done that? I bet none of you. So that's what happens when you listen to the GPS all the time. But you know, maps are important in life. And even if you look at the GPS, it's probably a good idea just to take a look at the overview of where you are going before you actually start listening to the GPS. But the reason maps are essential is because maps show us the destination that we are going into. And then it shows us the way to get there. And it identifies identifies any pitfalls or any uh, roads that we cannot take as we go along the way. So all of us, I believe we are on a journey. I call it the journey of faith. Some call it the journey of life. But I believe everyone is on a journey. And we are on a journey towards a destination. And last week here at Generation Church, we discussed what we believe our destination as a church is. And that is to make the bride of Christ beautiful again to this generation. And a destination can also be called a vision. And so last week we discussed the the vision and and what we believe God's vision for this church is. And each of you in your life, you may not know it, but I believe God has a plan for your life. God has a vision of where he wants you to go. But visions are great and they're all very well, but you have to know how to get there. And so that's why maps help us because they show how to get to the destination. And if so, the des- if the destination is called the vision, then the map is called the mission and the mission of how we get there and the things that we do to get to our destination. See, the vision is a mental image of the future, but the mission is the map leading us to the way to the destination. And the Bible tells us, that without a vision, that people are lost. The people are lost without a vision. But it's all very well having a vision, but if we have no idea actually how to get there, then that vision is pointless. So we need a vision and we need a mission. And I believe in your lives as well, God has a plan for your life. God has a vision, but you also need to know what God's mission is for your life also. And so that's why I believe it's important that we seek God for a vision in our lives where God is taking us. And as a pastor, I, I hear it a lot. People are saying, what's the vision of Generation Church? What is your vision of where God uh, wants you to go? And it's all very well having a vision, but I think equally uh, an important question is this. Not only what is the vision, but what is the mission as well? Because we can have a vision of going all the way over there, but if we have no idea how to get there, we will never arrive there. And in your life as well, some of you, you know where God is taking you, but you need to seek God and ask God, okay, how do I get there? What is the mission for my life? How am I going to find my way to the place that you want me to go? So we ask God and we seek God for the vision and the destination, but we should also seek God for the path as well. The Bible actually tells us that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And so if you ask God, God will show you the paths which to take and the ways to go. He will get out his big map and he will know exactly how to read it. And he will show you exactly the way that you are to go. So when we started Generation Church back in 2010, 
We were full of vision. We knew exactly, exactly where God was taking us, where we wanted to eventually be and eventually go. But probably a little maybe immaturity and, and, and inexperience. One of the things that the mistakes that we made was that our vision was a little too broad. See, we were all about vision, but we really hadn't narrowed down how to get there. It was almost like we knew, and I knew as a, uh, uh, as a pastor, okay, I wanted to go here. And so we're like, okay, 95 will take us there. So we got a 95, but we didn't know just the different routes and the different ways in which to go. Our, vi- our, our mission was a little too broad. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to identify how we can position our lives so that we can go on mission. So that we can start to map out our lives and find the way that God is leading us. Leading you as individuals in your lives and also leading us as a church as well called Generation Church. And so I want to share with you three things this morning. And the first thing is this, that it takes people who plan. It takes people who plan to go on mission. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter, chapter 1 and verses 10 and 11. Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. And this is what the Bible says. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord is giving you. Then it says, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben and he called together everybody and, uh, and he started to tell them all that God was going to do. And then in verse 14, it says this, Joshua said, your wives and your children and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer the territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. And until they too possess the land, the Lord your God is giving them. So this is basically what's happened. God has come to Joshua. Moses, the leader of Israel, has died. God has come to Joshua and says, Joshua, you are now the man to lead the people into the promises of God. God, as God, I have a vision for you. And your vision is something called the promised land. And Joshua, you are the man who who is going to take them. So Joshua went to the people of Israel, full of vision, full of excitement. And he said, this is where we're going. Get ready for our day of destiny is about to, 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 be, to begin. And we are going to the land that God has promised us. We've been waiting for 40 years and God is taking us there. And they were full of excitement. They were full of vision. But yet Joshua didn't stop there. Joshua knew that he had to plan along the way. So this is what Joshua did. He basically said to to some of the tribes, he goes, get your strong warriors, the strongest warriors, different ones, and we are going to go out first, and we're going to see and survey the land and map out the land. And then once we know it's safe, then everybody else is going to come along with us as well. You see, Joshua had a plan. And some of you, you are good planners. Who's a good planner? So, like, mostly it's women. Why is that not surprising at all? Mostly. Who just goes by the, by the seat of their pants, you know? 
Yeah, mostly guys. Why is that not surprising either? So some of you, you are planners and you plan everything. You are like so much of a planner that you like, you go on vacation, you got like an itinerary for a vacation. Like, I don't know if you have that, but I'm sorry if I ever go on vacation with you, you'll be crazy with me. I'm like, okay, where's the beach? I'm going to spend eight hours there. Where's a nice restaurant? Where's my bed? That's like my vacation. Some of you, you like plan everything out. But then other of you, some of you, you just like, just, just live life like where the chips may fall. You know, you just go life and like, and you're very reactive. Uh, in, in, in regards to what's going on instead of proactive in what you want to do. But what I've discovered is that if your life is like that, and sometimes mine can be like that, where you just let the chips fall wherever they may be, in the long term, the chips will never fall in your favor. People who plan actually, and statistically you can prove this, people who plan, actually they benefit a whole lot more than people who do not plan at all. See, everybody needs a plan. Even if your plan is just follow the GPS, you need a plan, especially when you're chasing the vision that God has for your life. See, this is not the time uh, to, to get all the, theologi- uh, th- all about theories and like, okay, maybe I want to go here and there. This is the time to, to get down to basics and write out an action plan of the steps that you want to go in your life. So this week, I met uh, with a guy who does my retirement. And uh, uh, he, he came into our office and he was... Uh, uh, just give, giving us some information about the market, because I don't know if any of you like are into finance or anything, but you know the market has just tanked over the last couple of months, and this like last year we've lost a bunch of money instead of gaining money. And so he came in basically to reassure us everything's going to be okay. So I was talking with him, um, because in my life we made a lot of life changes, like my wife Raquel is now staying at home with our, with our child, and so we're just having to kind of adjust to how we're doing life. And so I, I, I wanted to talk with him individually just about just some of the stuff. And as I was talking, uh, I found out that he is a, um, uh, a preferred agent for David Ramsey. And some of you, you know who David Ramsey is. David Ramsey is a, a Christian financial es- expert, and he does um, uh, something called uh, Financial Peace University, and it's helped millions of people uh, throughout the United States just get out of debt and stuff like that. And so I was talking to him about that, and, and we were just talking about a few different things. And so we were talking just about my finances and just some of the debt I had and just some of the, the small revolving debt and some of the loans. And, and, and we were talking about retirement. And, and he was saying that uh, experts say that you need to save 15% over a lot of your income over a long period of time to be financially stable when you retire. And I was like, man, I'm not there. I need to get there. And we were talking about how to, to basically get out the debt and then start saving saving more. And like in five minutes, like we wrote out a real quick action plan for me to follow so that we, so that I can uh, get to a place where financially it's going to be a lot better for us. It just took five minutes of our time to plan. And if you're in your forties or fifties or maybe sixties, then you're attack towards retirement is so much different to someone in their 20s. Someone in their 20s is like, yeah, I just like maybe save some money or I'll think about that later. But if you're in your 40s or 50s, you've got like a number in your mind now that you know that you have to reach in order to retire when you want to retire. And this is all about planning. And we do this in some of the basic things of our lives. And I believe in our life that God wants us to live in the places God wants us to do. God wants us to plan as well. 
So at the beginning of this year in January, uh, our, our leadership team, some of our leaders, we got together. And uh, we had a, like a mini three-day retreat where we, we prayed a lot together. And then we discussed what we, want, we thought God wanted us to do and go in 2015. And so we talked about the vision where God was taking us. And then we spent a long time just mapping out what we believed that God wanted us to do and the places God wanted us to take. And so we came away from that weekend. I want to share with you this morning three things that, uh, that we wanted to do this year uh, to help us as a church to, to go to the places that we felt God was leading us to so that we could become the church God wanted us to become. And so the first one was that we were to implement a leadership system. So we believe that, you know, our leadership was, were, was a little too top heavy. And so we needed to add layers into leadership to help us go where God wanted us to go. We, we also wanted to implement a lifestyle of worship that, that would become a part of our church DNA. We felt that we weren't a worshiping church enough that we came, we sang some songs, but our lifestyles weren't, uh, weren't lifestyles that were giving enough worship to God. So we wanted to do things to help uh, bring that into our church. And then we wanted to help implement a life-growing system that we could do together as a church. And the reason we believe this is because we had structured our church for where we are right now. But we knew where God was taking us. And so we wanted to do things to help us go along the road where God was taking us. And so we knew we needed more leaders. We knew we, knew we needed a, a, a worship to be more, uh, uh, more organic and dynamic. And we also realized that we needed to grow together as a church so that we could take some of the same paths together. And we believe that if we did this, that God would take us to the next level. Well, some of them we've done, some of them we haven't, some of them we're still working on. Some of them we probably won't even implement or you won't see them implemented until the middle of 2016. But the whole point of showing you this is that I believe it is important to plan. And this is why. For without a plan, you're running from one thing to another. And if you're running from one thing to another, you have no time for God to speak into your life. I believe if you plan, you can plan spaces for God to speak and God to move. And some of you, you know, you're not a planner at all. It's not in your DNA. But if you're running from one thing to another, then you do not have time for God to speak into the spaces of your life. And if you want to go where God wants you to go, then it takes time, it takes planning, and it takes seeking God. And so to go on mission, it takes people who plan. Second thing, to go on mission, not only it takes people who plan, it takes people who are open. People who are open. Turn to Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. It said, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent out orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. 
Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk and the, um, as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch them. But actually, she had taken them to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went out into the shallow crossings out of the the, the gates of Jericho of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies were asleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. And then let's skip forward a few verses to verse 12. Rahab said this to the spies. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. See, Joshua had sent out a couple of spies to spy out Jericho. They knew they had to conquer Jericho if they were going to go into the promises that God had for them. And so Joshua was diligent. Joshua was a planner. He did not leave any stone unturned. He wanted to know all the ins and outs of Jericho. And in the middle of this plan came the unlikeliest surprise. These two spies, they met a prostitute. Now, normally in God's plan, you don't normally come face to face with prostitutes. And if you do, you don't tell the story about it either. But in this case, this lady called Rahab, she was a prostitute. She was a lady who was living in sin, probably not living in the purposes of God. But yet, God used this lady to help save the people of Israel. She helped this lady so that the spies could make a plan and spy out the land. See, this is what I've discovered, that these men, they made space for God. And when you make space for God, God gives divine encounters. See, I believe in your life, if you are on mission and you are going on the mission that God has for you, if you're mapping out what God, the place God is taking you, God will make, uh, bring you face to face with divine encounters, people that God has orchestrated that would come into your life, speak into your life, or you would speak into their life, help you, and you would help them. See, I believe that God honors the diligence and he fills the spaces with these divine encounters and surprises. Now, most people would have just ignored Rahab. She was a prostitute. I mean, really, what good was a prostitute to the purposes of God? How was a prostitute going to help save the people of God? How was a prostitute going to help these spies at all? How was a woman who was not living in the purposes of God going to help people who were living in the purposes of God? But yet, this is how God works. God uses the unlikeliest people at times, the ones that everybody else writes off, the ones that you don't realize. And God uses sometimes those people to speak into your lives, to help you stay on mission, stay on the map. See, this lady Rahab, she was a prostitute. She was not an Israelite. But yet she helped the people of Israel 
be saved from the people of Jericho. And in return, this is what God did. God brought her into Israel. When Israel, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks how Israel conquered Jericho. When Jericho was conquered, they brought Rahab. They gave her a safe place to live. A safe place to grow up. A safe place to become all that God had for her. Rahab became part of Israel. If you look at the lineage of Rahab, just a couple of generations down the road, there's a lady called Ruth who came from the lineage of Rahab. There's a book in the Bible about Ruth. You should read it sometime. It's pretty fascinating. If you go quite a few more generations down, there's a guy called David who became the king of Israel. He was the man after God's own heart. He was from the lineage of Rahab. There was a guy called Solomon who was the wisest man who has ever lived except for Jesus. And he came from the lineage of Rahab. And if you read Matthew chapter 1, you will find there is a lineage, an ancestry trail. And there's the name Rahab. And right at the bottom, there is the name Jesus. See, out of this lady who everybody else would have ridden off, nobody would have given hope to, came the Savior of the world. See, God can use people that you don't even realize. See, there is nobody too insignificant. There is no one too inexperienced. No one too far gone. No one too sinful. No one too churchy. No one too off the wall. No one who is too uneducated or too educated. See, God can use anyone for his purposes. And this is why I tell you, don't write people off. I challenge you. To give your time to people that sometimes you would not expect to help you in your life. See, we like to look at people and say, how are they going to help us? And so we chase after the educated ones or, or the influential ones, the ones who got the big networks, all the money. And we go after those people and we try to be friends with those people. But I tell you, often God uses the prostitutes of this world to bring about his purposes. And so don't write people off, I challenge you. To look at people and give people your time. Even if that person has nothing to offer you, maybe in your life you've got something to offer them and God wants to use you for their purposes. And who knows where God is going to take them. So it takes people to be on mission, people who are planners. It takes people who are open. And then finally this morning, it takes people who are fearless. People who are fearless. If you want to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. It says, then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the land, they said. For all the people in the land are terrified of us. See, I love what these two spies did. They saw all the stuff that was going on. They saw the walls of Jericho. They saw all the armies. They saw the, the flooded river that we're going to talk about next week that, 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 that was in front of them. And instead of looking at the problems, they saw the positives. And this is what they said. God has given us this land. God has given us this land. See, they were fearless. They saw the opportunity and they trusted God. And some of us in our lives, it is fear that is holding us back. Holding us back from the mission that God has for us. Some of us, 
We're so fearful of just tithing 10% to the God. Because we're fearful that we can't live without the 10%. But you know what the people of faith say? The people of faith say, God can do so much more with my 10% than I can do with my 90%. There's those people who are just stuck in a rut and they never get out of the rut because they are so fearful of the changes that they're going to have to make to their lives to get out that rut. But you know what the people of faith say? The people of faith say, you know, if I want to be who eventually God wants me to be, then I'm going to have to change. So it's time to make some changes in my life, get out the rut and follow God no matter what's going to happen. You know, there's some people that are just so stuck in their ways that they they don't want to leave the past behind because they're so fearful of losing what they love. But yet the people of faith realize that God is a God of not just today, but God is a God of tomorrow. And the places God has taken us is so much better for today. And so the people of faith say, you know, we're not going to stay where we are. We're going to keep moving because we know God has got so much more. You get those people, they're so fearful of losing control. They keep their grip on things. And they don't want to lose control because they're so fearful that if they trust other people that everything's just going to fall down. But the people of faith say, you know, I can't do this journey alone. I have to do it with other people. So I'm going to trust other people. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to let go. There's those who are fearful of diversity because they just don't know what it's going to all turn out to be. But the people of faith says that up ahead It's totally different to what it is today. So I'm going to embrace the diversity and see what God is going to do. See, being fearless is hard. And those who are focused on mission, they understand that fear will kill the mission. But those who have faith are fearless because they realize that faith takes us forward. So it takes being fearless people who are fearless to stay on mission.